Hey everyone, how are you doing? It's Nellie here. Today we are joined by Kath Davis. Now, unlike many of my guests, Kath is not in showbiz. She's a proper, bona fide civilian with a normal job. Kath's a professional middle-aged woman with a background in policy, unionism and education. She's long-term single, has a bunch of mates, loves her family and career and is not interested in a relationship unless it value adds. Bravo to her. Kath and I talk about being in your 40s and long-term single and what that's like. We have a particularly moving exchange about how it feels to not give, and that's in heavy quotation marks, to not give your parents' grandkids. We talk about loving your own space and how you can learn from unsatisfying slash inadequate slash bad relationships in your 20s. You can learn that you deserve more and that you can build a happy life on your own. We also take some great listener calls on celebrating singledom. And also a pretty niche but relevant call on whether the word misogynist is overused, which in turn prompts a chat between Kath and I about the co-opting of terms like gaslighting and other dating terminology. Are they overused? I reckon they might be. As always, we finish with Kath's dating deal breakers and stupid shit and exes done. Kath is bright, she's open, she's loving, and I reckon you'll love her mix of sheer toughness and vulnerability. What a brain and the best damn auntie you'll ever meet. And as always, while we're here, this podcast was recorded in the council area known as Maribyrnong in Melbourne. I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land, the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung and Bunurong peoples of the Kulin Nation, and pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. To support the podcast, today I'm going to ask you to do something different. I'm going to ask you to rate and review. So if I can be so indulgent, I'll ask you to get your phone out now. And if you give the podcast a five-star rating, it literally helps other people find it. And one quick thing, this is a sex, dating and relationships podcast for adults. If you don't like swearing, it's really going to give you the shit. So off your fuck. Oh, actually, one quick side note. I'm recording this little intro here in the caravan, so it might sound a bit shit. The episode itself was in studio and should sound a lot better. All right. Enjoy Kath Davis. 
All right. Welcome to Dear Nelly, Sex, Relationships and Dating from the Other Side of 40. And we are joined by a very special and different guest than what you're probably used to. We're joined by the wonderful Kath Davis, who is uh, has a background in policy, union movement, government. I mean, you're a white-collar professional, right? You're not showbiz. No. Um, is that how you would introduce yourself? Like how would you describe this? We're at a barbecue and we meet. What would you say? <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say uh, – firstly, I'd say I'm a bit of a hack, a <laughs> bit, of, bit, of, bit of a policy wonk. Yeah. Um, hardcore femo. Yeah. Passionate public education advocate. Yes. Passionate about the power of government in people's lives that need it. Yes. So feminista, communista. Absolutely. Is the way that I would describe it. My cousin would call me the Femo Pinko Commie. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to do that from and now that's on. Fine. So you've got this sort of history of social justice. Burning in my gut. Burning in your gut. Where'd that come from? I, look, I tell the same story quite often as the reason when I became uh, aware of it. Mm. I think I do you know what I was recently watching this is a funny story. I was recently I love I love your um Disney yes. cartoons, it's a, it's it's the other side of you do maths for your, yes. you know, trash, but I do Disney for the comfort factor. Well, and just side note for listener background, <laughs> you and I met through lovely Lauren. Yeah. And I think we have bonded over shit TV. Yeah, shit TV right? is We're essential in your it. life when you're a bit stressed about real world stuff. Look, if your brain's going 100 miles an hour thinking about the tragedies of the world, mm. you, there needs to be some balance. Yeah, that's it, that's right? it. So, so Disney. So Disney, uh, but I, I reckon one of the first ones that I watched was um, – Sleeping Beauty. Yes. Beauty and the Beast is now my go-to and right. I ignore all the things that I know. It's actually mm. got bad messages. But anyway, um, Aurora singing in the uh, forest, talking to the animals. Oh. I wanted to be able to talk to animals, oh. have great empathy. They're better than humans in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I think I deeply felt that. that. Mm. Then I remember that really I – Pauline Hanson – Mm. deeply affected the way that I felt mm. justice was not being served mm. in, in the race um, debates and discussions at that time. Yeah. I was a staunch uh, Republican during the Republican mm. debates. Just for American listeners, different kind of Republican. Different Republican, yeah. You mean uh, no so monarchy Republican. Leaving the monarchy. Yeah. And I went on my first rally against Hanson in year 11. Wow. And so what year was that? 96, seven. 96, So we're talking the end of the Keating era. End of, well, start of Howard. Yeah, exactly. Start yeah, of yeah. Howard and then the end of Kennett. And fired you up. Yeah, and my experience of what Kennett did in the education space mm. was the other fire in the belly. So for people who are unaware, Jeff Kennett was a conservative premier of the state that Kath and I both live in in Victoria. Yeah, interesting. So just as, to go back to Sleeping Beauty, because obviously I have to put my respectful relationships hat on, uh, we use that as a teachable moment. Like even with little kids because people are like, how do you start talking to people about relationships when they're little? Guess what? You don't kiss someone who's asleep. No. Right? Like <laughs> no. I still love Disney. I'm not Disney shaming you. There is so much in Disney that but can be But there's an opportunity though. in yeah. Disney films, yeah. in maths, in the whatevers. Teachable moments Teachable moments. Everywhere. And just as a, you don't have to make a big deal of it. No. Even. You just kind of go, oh, see how they kiss Would that girl who's asleep? Would you have done that asleep? differently? Yeah, mm. you don't do that. Mm. Mm. Yeah. You know. All right. So All right. you're, f- what, mid-40s? 
40-ish, 40 40-ish. I'm, I've hit the twos. I've hit 42. Yeah, okay, 42. So I'm still below the, the tick over into mid, I reckon. And one of – yes, you are. One of the things I'm most interested in is that you are long-term single. Yeah, I counted. I think I'm now 16 years or something like that. 16 years single. So your last relationship, you were in your 20s. Yeah. Yeah. And my impression, correct me if I'm wrong, happily so. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about being – because there's a lot of cultural pressure on a 42-year-old woman to not be single. Yeah. Look, I, I am and I thought about this for a few of the questions that might have come up and I think um, I definitely have never been in a situation where I'm sitting there just longing to go and find a partner. Yeah. I, I don't spend my nights sitting and rocking in a corner wishing. Yes. I didn't spend my COVID time, although it was very difficult for other reasons. It wasn't because I was alone. I was pretty lucky and happy. I like my surroundings. I have a stable home for myself. Yeah. I like what I've done with it. It's tiny, but it's mine. Yes. And I was pretty comfortable in that. And I have also reflected, I don't think I'm ready or could share that space anymore. So mm. all the conversations you've been having with others about could you share a bed again, mm. could you share a house, even if the Thunderbolt City moment happened and that mm. person finally w- walked into my life, I think I'd have to have the conversation about how do we want to do this because I love where I am, I don't want to move. Mm. And there's no room for them. Mm. <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah. So if you did meet someone and you fell in love, you would be more interested by the sounds of it in a lat, yes. living apart together Absolutely. arrangement. Yep. So you like to have your own space. Yep. And I think one of the things that, you know, we're trying to reclaim through these conversations in this podcast, if you like living um, with a lover or a partner, knock yourself out. Yeah. But it's not for everybody. No, and uh, I, I've always been okay in my own company. When yeah. I was in my teenage years, I loved getting on the bus, going into the city and wandering around and having a shop by myself. Yeah. Um, and I've travelled a lot by myself and I've never yeah. felt unsafe or uncomfortable. It was only if you saw something funny and you wanted to share it and in the, yes. in the end all you could do was journal it. And you I know still what? cracked up laughing Now you've got public. a phone. And, well, yeah, you so just you record can, it. You can text Nelly and go, <laughs> I just saw this thing just in Just saw Bible someone Bible. have a bit of a wee on the side of yeah. the road. <laughs> but I, again, I think it's a really important thing to honour the fact that you are a 42-year-old woman I imagine, I don't know anything about your family, but I imagine there's some kind of family or cultural pressure for you to have been married or at least partnered. But you're sitting here telling us, I am happy as I am. Yeah. I didn't have a lot of pressure. Oh, that's That good. was overt. Yeah. I feel disappointed that I might not be giving my mum and dad grandchildren. So tell me about that. Like, do you feel... Like you owed them that? Like is it something you wanted or something you wanted for them? Something I wanted for them. The, right. joy, the joy that I see in them yes, um, would be lovely to add to. Yeah. Um, but equally in thinking about why, why have I been happy to be single, mm. I have been conscious that I've never had a burning biological clock ticking mm. and, and motivating me for that reason. Oh, and again, Kath, this is a radical thing to say out loud. Yeah. You're not meant to say that. You're meant to say, I always wanted to have them, I couldn't have them, you know, I didn't meet someone, whatever. Yeah. You're owning the fact that, and I can't stress this enough, if you don't want children, don't have children. I would have wanted, if I wanted a child and knew that I had that in my heart to give them that love, they would be the most desperately wanted child on the planet. Mm. 
I never felt like that though. Yeah. I give my love to the nephews in my life yes. and my other family members and plenty of other people who've got kids yes. get my love and attention. Um, I don't think that full-time parenting is, your thing. is for me. Oh, and you're that golden friend because I know this from, from Lauren. Like you, you know, she's a single mum. You've supri- provided her with a lot of support with her daughter. You are that friend who genuinely shows up for other parents. I'd love and to. And yeah. I think that that's so critical especially for single parents but for any parents you know to have that support because you've got the energy and you've got the interest like you I think you took Lauren's daughter to the show the thought of taking the kids to the show like I mean of course I do that stuff but oh my goodness me I'd rather not it was funny six hours went in the blink of an eye wow (laughs) and every parent listening is going oh I need a gaff (laughs) So yeah. take me back to little Kath. When, mm. when did you start dating? Um, mid, mid-teens. Mid-teens. So you're yep. in a public high school. You're yep. in a, yeah, we were, co- we were co-ed. I went to the blue light discos of and had my first patch there. Sorry, Mum. Oh. Um, Eltham. Um, so Eltham High? No, no, Eltham Blue Light, Doncaster High. Eltham there Blue Light. Yeah. So for context, I was a shop, shopo chick. We're talking what, sort of... Working class slash lower middle class environment. Yeah. Yep. Um, there are very wealthy parts of where we yeah. we lived. I, we Our family was not part of that. Yeah. We, but we were a comfortable, happy family. Yeah. You're a bit of rough trade who is happy. Yeah, that's right. I love it. Yeah, that's right. So you go into the Blue Light Disco, you're having a bit of a passion dash. Yep. When's your first relationship that you would consider a relationship? Yeah, so um, I think I was 16 when we met, but I uh, John was um, – Possibly the love of my life, actually. Oh, John! Um, Tell me about and John. And he was—he was—I was besotted. Yeah, it was. Was he at school? No, I was uh, underage metro. Underage metro. It's a, is that a nightclub? Yeah, remember the metro in no, Burke I was Street? In Perth. Oh, you were in Perth. Yeah, metro in Perth. Uh, metro in Burke Street, just near the Parliament. Yeah. Big, big place, and um, particularly during st- school holidays, you had a day. Oh my session. god, how fun! So an alcohol-free event, I'm yeah, assuming. Yeah, yeah. So you and meet we Donny. the night away. Is he from Donny? No, he was from the other side. It was from the sand sand belt. Oh so, my god, um, it's Romeo and Juliet. Other, other side of town. And to be quite honest, when when I met him, I was convinced that he was talking to me because he liked one of my other friends. Oh, bless. and then to find out that it was me, yes. and that he was actually really keen and wanted to see me after school, and I begged my mum to let me go into the city after school yes. to go and see this guy. I was like, Mum, this isn't normal. I really like this guy. Yeah. And I, I, I loved him. I said that I loved him before he did and we had a bit of a few weeks of silence on that front but I yeah. desperately loved him and he came to my Deb and I went to his year 12 formal. He was older than me, one year. Yeah. Um, good time, uh, good time in my life but I also knew deep down I've met this guy too early. We're oh. never going to stay together. I don't want my forever love to be the first yeah. and someone that I met when I was 16. I had stuff that I wanted to do to in my do. 20s. Yeah, yeah. And so probably was never going to last even through my year 12, let alone into our my uni days. He yeah. didn't go to uni but um, wouldn't have lasted longer. I, there was so much I needed to go and do in my 20s. Right person, wrong time. It, absolutely. It but I was, But I was desperately in love with him. Oh, that's so – so a couple of things interest me. One, first of all, how long were you together? Uh, we probably would have been about 10 months in the end. Yeah, but at that stage in life, when yeah. you're 16, I mean, that's like 10 years. Mm. It's a really significant 
length of time for a relationship at that age. When you told your mum you were interested in John, because as you know, I know you listen to the podcast, you know, avidly, which I appreciate, so many kids in that situation get shamed. Sounds like your mum didn't do that. No, she didn't. She was, she was, um, she could see yeah. this wasn't normal. Kath doesn't ask in that way yeah. every time. Yeah. And Kath would probably have accepted a no most times. Mm. She might have had a sort. So you were she, a good girl. I was a pretty good girl. Yeah. Um, but she saw and she said, yes, okay, so long as your girlfriend goes with you. So we, we went together that, that afternoon. And then while we were dating, given that he was on the other side of this, um, town, we would go into the city. Yeah. Um, they were okay with that. And towards... Um, you know, later in that time, and it was clearly serious. Mm. She was actually okay for me to stay at his place after mm. formals and oh, I'm all for things it. Things like that. There's two things I'm all for. Firstly, mum saying yes, you can go on the date in the city with this boy you just met, but you're taking a friend. Yep. Very clever. Yep. Because just a hard no, this is dangerous. You don't know him. You're going into the bad seat. You would have snuck out. Yeah, I would have. Of gone. course, you would, and then you'd be on your own. Yep. And you're at far more risk. Better that she knows that you've got a friend and that you can talk to her. Yeah. You've left that door open. The other thing, you know, it's a controversial area, but I personally as a parent would prefer my kids, if they are sexually active, to be sexually active at my house or at a safe house than, yeah. you know, in the park or yeah. in the back of a car or at the drive. I mean, I don't even know if you can do the drives anymore, but, you know, that doesn't stop them having sex. No. And your mum was astute enough to know that. Yep. And she disclosed to me some time ago that she probably had done similar things as well. Oh, so hello. She wasn't Yeah. She wasn't expecting anything of me that she knew wasn't gonna be happy. Yeah. And and it's age appropriate. You're sixteen, seventeen, you're in a relationship, you know, I mean you can't stop, you cannot shout into the wind. No. All right. So it's it's risk mitigation. Yeah. Is the way I look at it. So do you you still would you still say he John was the love of your life? Let me look at the list. <laughs> Have you got um, a list of boyfriends? Well, no, I've got the kind of the, the, the process and the pattern. Look, I, in terms of the way it felt in yes. me, yeah. I because we can move on when we do move on to Dickett, and that's his official name, he was the longer term relationship. I did love him, but yeah. it felt different. Yes. In the way that I felt for him, the way that I fell for him, the way that I found myself feeling in the relationship yeah. was not that pure, adoring, mm. this guy's a really nice guy and he really likes me and mm. how excellent is that? Mm. That was probably John. And I did have mm. another relationship where I had a, um, a really good connection and we had a lot of fun and we were really compatible but it also was never going to work for other reasons mm, mm. and I was upset when it ended mm. but not in the way that I was gut-wrenchingly devoted. Yeah. And I think, again, you know, it's important to recognise for some people you could literally have a two-week liaison in, I don't know, Sicily there that was, becomes the love of your – yeah, I'm sure there was. That becomes <laughs> – that you look back on and say that was the love of my life. Yeah. Like I actually – in all seriousness, I think we have to honour that. A 10-month relationship you had when you're 16 may be more significant developmentally and emotionally to you than a relationship you had for 10 years when you were 30. Yeah, yeah. Like that's the truth for a lot of people. 
And the only other times I've felt like that, that excitement mm. was to dalliances uh, while travelling. One was Tassie and one was Mexico. Oh, a map of Tassie and a Mexico. <laughs> and a Mexican lover. Oh, a dalliance. So yeah. how long were both of those? Were they sort of, you oh, know, the Tassie, the Tassie couple was, of days? Or? No, the Tassie was one night only but like a good night. A really good <laughs> night. <laughs> you know, Youth Hostel, what are we talking? Uh, Airbnb with Love. four poster beds and, Love. you know, the whole heritage kind of look. <laughs> you can dine out on that night for the rest of your life. Sharing the free, um, not brandy, what's the other one? Sherry. The free oh. sherry in the communal <laughs> space. Love. Anyway, anyway. Um, but, you know, when you just get that, I can't stop touching you, I can't yes. stop kissing you. It's something like You are drawn to, yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. That was that was both of them. Oh, And that lovely. was great. Yeah. And you didn't have to pick up their socks afterwards. Yeah, that's right. And also you can freeze them in time. Yes. You don't have, have to been. learn anything about their flaws or anything. <laughs> yeah. You just kind of go, I was drawn to you. It's some yep. pheromone thing. Yep. You'll remember it for the rest of your life. Yeah. You know, it's a bit it's the Titanic. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You're you're leaning at the top of the ship. Hopefully not dead at the end of it. <laughs> no, we got there. And let's move forward because mm. I know you've had, and you describe it however you want, but a problematic relationship mm. Mm. Is, is your a long-term relationship. Mm. As much as you want to share what was problematic about, shall we call him Dickhead? We'll call him Dickhead. All he right. deserves DH. it. What, yep. what was problematic about it? Um. I had feelings for him before he did me, but mm. he kind of knew it. So mm. I pursued him. Mm. Um, we were friends. You're in your 20s? In the 20s. Uh, when we got together more formally, it was very clear that I, ha- I was that it was uneven. He was warming yeah. up to me. I was still very much um, devoted to him. My life revolved around his happiness. His happiness dictated what, the way I felt. Yeah. So he was at the centre. Yeah. Can I just pick up mm-hmm. on something you said because I reckon this is really relevant too. So when you say when it became formal, what this says to me is he knew you were into him. Yes. You. He was into you a little bit but nowhere near as much as you. Yes. And you two were either – you were hooking up. Yes, and, and he was quite happy with that arrangement. He was quite happy with that, and and if I'm honest, the first night uh, before anything actually happened, uh, we kissed. I actually had the feeling in the pit of my stomach. It wasn't. I desperately want to touch you. I desperately want to kiss you further. It was. Oh, actually, I'm not sure if I'm mm. as into this as I thought I was going to be. But we pushed that way down. And so, why did you push that down? Because I'd pursued him, yeah, and right. you can't back out now, Catherine. And uh. and so as the relationship progressed, I was still very intellectually into him. Mm. Um, as it all progressed, and I still wanted his affection and love. Uh, I eventually got it. Mm. Um, I'm skipping over a fair bit in there. There was yeah. a, a lot within that formative time when he had all the power. Uh, he hadn't yet fallen, fell for me, and the pivotal moment for me was, and I wasn't as confident in myself. Um, he'd said in the morning, "I don't like your clothes." Oh, he'd continue continually said along the way, "You wear too much black. You need to get more color in your wardrobe." He was probably right, but who cares? He said he didn't like my clothes. Then I all day at work, and then until I was driving home, uh, I went, "Hang on." 
this has upset me all day, not because of the clothes. Mm. I don't know if you like me. Mm. I don't know if you like me, let mm. alone if you love me. And I got home, sat on the floor of the bedroom, bawling my eyes out because I'd realised this guy I'd pursued mm. possibly didn't even know who I was, mm. let alone liked me. And was possibly the vibe I'm getting was, is this a little bit disinterested? Which is almost worse than contempt. Yeah, it was a bit of the bit of the cam on maths where yeah, it was yeah. like, this is me, I don't change as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, yeah. I was never going to change him. Yeah. I, he would he would come to love me if it was he, mm. his time. He stopped wearing so much black cap. Well, that's right. So when, I mean, obviously for those who listen to podcasts, I would say that's negging. Mm. Um, there's a bit of breadcrumbing in there. These are some dating terminology. Did that start from the beginning or did he sort of make you comfortable before that started? No, there was probably – there was a few times throughout that he'd say things. I don't even think he was meaning to say them in the context of the relationship, but he was always making me doubt myself for different yeah. reasons. Because of the world we were in, he'd say something and I'd go, oh, I never felt like that's what they were saying to me. Mm. And I, But then – but that would mm. bring me down a notch or something like that. I was uh, – I, I was always uncomfortable about my body image. Mm. Um, Did he know that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and around that point where I started to really – and I, I was a feminist the whole time. Yeah, but course. I was really starting to see this is not good. Mm. I'm not feeling good anymore. And I started to tip into the I think I might actually want to leave. Mm. I started to lose weight, had yeah. a bit of a fitness regime going yeah. on, all of those things. That mm. was when he started to fall for me. Of course. And so for the yeah, last yeah, couple, yeah. three years' worth of that relationship – I was actually trying to work out how I can leave this guy mm. without hurting him because yep. I pursued him. He now have has feelings. Mm. How do I get out of this? How do I get out of this and not be at I'm at the end of the aisle and mm. I say no or mm. walk out or not make it to the aisle? Mm. All these cat- catastrophizing yep. things in my brain about I would hurt him more there. I'm yep. trying to do this now so that yep. I don't hurt you more. But his reaction to that was shocking and he did not know how to deal with a woman trying to leave him who had pursued him Mm. who uh, he had finally given himself to uh, and he thought that I had been uh, having him on Mm. so oh there's so much in that so he hurt me yeah in leaving yeah as much as he possibly could burn the house down on the way out without physically touching me yeah yes so a couple of things stand out to me. The first one, just with my respect for relationships mm. lens on, one of the things that, and I know you're passionate about this, one of the things we need to tell, especially kids but people, because God knows we're all kids in big people's bodies, you are allowed to leave at any point. Yeah. Right? So if it, let's say the situation, you go back to 16-year-old Kath, you could be naked on the bed having just had sex with John and say, I don't want to do this again. Yeah, And we do not tell young people this enough. You are not entitled to sex again or another kiss or another date or an ex- regardless of what's happened, Yeah, let alone 20-something-year-old Kath. Yeah. yeah, okay, I did pursue you. It didn't work out. Yeah. yeah. You're allowed to go. I'm allowed to go no matter what you thought you invested in the relationship Correct. either. And also, mate, own your shit. Yeah. Like you wanted to stay at one point. 
Yeah. Like something went wrong. It doesn't even have to be his fault. It doesn't have to be your fault. Whatever happened, it didn't work out. This is life. Yeah. Move on. You don't hurt people deliberately. There's no excuse to hurt someone because you're hurt. And he will think that uh, because I uh, strayed during those final years mm. that that was me in the wrong and therefore I deserved it. I was straying because I was deeply unhappy for a long, long time before that. And mm. I think in a lot of the conversations I was having with my girlfriends and others at the time was, I'm gone. I've mm. been gone a long You've time. Checked I've checked out. Mm. Um, but the way that we would fight was never going to either be a healthy thing going forward. We had different resolution tactics. Mm. I felt like you had to resolve things in the moment, don't go to sleep on an on an argument. Yeah, yeah. He thought that time will pass. Um, it'll blow over. It'll blow over oh, under yeah. the carpet. It'll be fine. And what that led to was me feeling the toxicity of that relationship so palpably that I would go and sleep in the car mm. around the corner to be as far away from that home as possible. Okay. Um, and in those moments, I kept saying to myself, "None of the good stuff is worth this." None no. of the good stuff is worth this. No. Even though the good stuff was never the way that I felt for John mm. or anyone else, mm. even staying to try and keep that peace was never enough to mm. deal with this. Mm. But he quite clearly, from his experiences and his family experience um, of what his father did to his mother, his mother would eventually come back after time. Yeah. And she would always sweep it under the carpet. Yes. Never resolved, never talked about, yep. she simply stayed. And he expected that of me and it was never going to happen. Well, and historically, you know, intergenerationally, there were plenty of women who would have left if they could, but they literally could not do that. So, you know, of course you'd come back in and sweep it under the carpet, plus yeah. none of us know how to talk about feelings, plus there's a whole range of, you know, things keeping us there culturally and financially and all the rest of it. And in all of that, as I remember you talking in the early days of the podcast, as someone that knew what she was in for, I had mm. to save up to be able to leave even then. And we were in a pretty good way and I was in a pretty mm. good um, financial position. But it took me a concerted mm. effort to be able to leave. I was emotionally broken, but I was not physically in, in harm's way. And yes. I can understand why women stay. Oh, Absolutely. And I know you've heard me say this before. Some of the listeners will have. I met an old femo when I was at uni, you know, and I say that with the greatest amount of respect. To me, that's like an elder in the movement. And she said to me, all women should have $5,000 oh, in the bank that no one knows about. Absolutely. And I remember at the time, I mean, that's early 90s, so $5,000 was a lot of money. You'd probably need Double more that. now. But what she's saying is you need an escaped fund. You don't know when you're going to need it. And even you who's, you know, a professional woman who's, you know, got her own wage, you didn't have enough money to leave. No, and conveniently for him and at the time we didn't really have the language around financial abuse but mm. conveniently one of the ways that he hurt me was not directly stealing money for me but moving it into a joint account that he begged me to establish despite my better judgment. Yes. And he simply moved the money away so yes. that I couldn't use it. Yes. Oh, again, how common. Mm. You know, when when someone leaves of either gender and they go to the bank the next day and the money's gone. Mm. Yeah. And you don't want to think about that in the romance phase. You don't want to think one day I might not be able to have a bond for a new apartment that I'm going to need. 
Do you know the thing that strikes me most, though? All the things you've said, and you know this, we've heard from other people. This is a this is common, and it's not about smart and dumb, no. right? It's about culture and you know personality, yes, but culture, expectations, your knowledge, all the rest of it. What strikes me the most is how you felt responsible for his feelings. Mm-hmm. And he felt that you were responsible for his feelings. Mm. And that is the thing that centres, um, I would say, an abusive partner. Right? It's one way straight. Yeah. Even if it's not physical, you're the centre of the universe and everyone revolves around you. Because then when he did the worst thing that he did, which was um, plant messages around my belongings, in my business cards, hidden in the um, undies drawer, if he had have taken his life, it was on me. Oh. That was the doozy. Oh, no, that, that's. Yep. Oh, I haven't even got words for that. Yep. Yeah. And I, 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 knew, I saw it. Mm. I knew intellectually mm. how I needed to process that, Catherine. Yeah, yeah. You know what he's doing here. Yeah. Um, yeah. But congratulations. Yeah. That's why you've earned the dickhead. Um, mm. Name that's coercive control. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, and he didn't do it, did he? No, he didn't. No, of course he didn't. And let's remember that. Mm-hmm. And I'm not making, and neither are you, making no. light of suicide in any way. No way. But let us remember that that is a tactic that is used in coercive control repeatedly. I can't tell you when I worked in family violence. I reckon every single woman I saw, and I was working in a high security refuge, so this is people with homicidal partners. We're kind of talking the worst of the worst. Every single one of them, that's what had kept them there. Absolutely. He said he'll kill himself. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Kath, I'm so sorry. Now, I know that some people listening, I'm going to ask you this question because they'll be thinking it. Is that why you're single? No. Thank you. And I know the answer is that, but I want you to talk to it. Yeah. So that did a lot of damage. Of course. But it taught me intrinsically what I didn't want yes, and what I do want. Mm. And as I said to you, you know, the, the funny thing about the Sleeping Beauty and Beauty and the Beast and all that sort of mm. stuff is I am a romantic as well. Yes. At heart I'm a romantic and I want Thunderbolt City from Four Weddings and a Funeral. And you're very loving and you've got <laughs> that, you know, you're, you're that sort of person. When you're in the presence of you, you feel warm. If you're in my gang, I will go to the end of the world for you. Yeah. If you cross me or disappoint me, you're dead yeah, to we're me. We're done. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and I, so I do want that if it yeah. came to me. Yeah. But I am in a place where I, it's got to be the value add in my life. Yes. You're gonna, you're gonna bring something. Or we're gonna do things together that will make mm. my life and our lives happier together. Mm-hmm. But it's not the source of my happiness. It's mm. not fundamental to to the way that I need to live my life. Mm. And so, if I find them when I'm 99, mm. we'll have an excellent time might. with each other for as long as we want yeah. to. Um, but I'm, I'm not settling for anything other than that. Yeah, you're happy in your life as it is, and they would need to add to that. To, for you to consider changing your life as it is. And you seem to me to be someone who puts, and this is the advice you, you've heard me, that I give to nearly single people at our age, well, I'm a bit older than you, but, you know, this era of life, put your effort into your friendships, your family, your community. It doesn't have to all be about romance. You can still be open to it. 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Yeah. You can even still pursue it. But, but the I've, safety net yeah. is, the, is the family and friends. And I don't want this to come across as this this woman's got her stuff together either because... Oh, none of us have, mate. Because <laughs> whilst that is my uh, standard and my ambition and my knowledge, if you put me in a dating situation right now, there, mm. I think you use the term um, bravado isn't mm. self-confidence, mm. Um, I would still be not great in the dating sphere at the moment. I would not have confidence. And that's why mm. I'm actually quite happy to not be actively pursuing. Yes. And maybe that's a little bit lazy as well. And I think we had a quick conversation about my nerves about being on here and that is I'm, I can see how low the bar is at the moment. Number mm. one, I don't really want to have anything to do with it. Mm. Number two, I wouldn't want to be on the other end of someone that who's, who is F, who's, whose effort was so low mm. and yet I still felt judged by. Yes. <laughs> like I don't have any energy of my life for that. My energy yeah. goes into my work and my family and my mm. friends. Putting myself in that environment where you actually just walk away feeling worse about yourself or mm. worse about what is out there, mm. don't need it. And I think you're quite right and it's really vulnerable and I appreciate the honesty of saying if you're in that headspace, if you think I'm going to probably date and feel worse, don't date. Yeah. Because that means you're not in the headspace to actually truly be open. Um, and to be to you know wear the knocks yeah that are inevitable for anyone to, you're going to get dumped yeah I got dumped multiple times and I'm amazing <laughs> you, you <know>? are <laughs> like, you've <laughs> got to be in the headspace where you can deal with that yeah um and or that you won't accept breadcrumbs yes and if you know you're not there friends yeah. community. You know, you love your footy. Like yeah. life does not have to be empty no. without a partner and fuck knows life can be empty with one. Indeed. Yeah. Okay. Now, I wanted to put to you, this is a weird culture chat. Love but it. But you're one of the few people I know who can handle this. I am part of the David Attenborough fan club. Cool. Right? <laughs> you. I knew you wouldn't judge me. So I saw on the fan club the other day, you know, we've talked about the Golden Girls lifestyle. Yeah. Um, where you might end up living with some girlfriends or boyfriends, whatever. You might end up living with some friends, perhaps in separate abodes even. That would be my ideal. It would be like this, you know, patch of land where we all had a tiny house, yep. that kind of vibe, yeah. and a communal kitchen where you come together for meals, something like that. So seven Chinese girlfriends had a dream of growing old together, surrounded by the comfort and support of each other's company. Rather than waiting for someone else to make their dream a reality, they took matters into their own hands and decided to build their own retirement home from scratch. So they're all in their 60s. They got architects. They had it bloody, you know, design, echo designed, all that sort of stuff. And the gist of it is that they have inspired. This is, um, I think, a Japanese group, no, Chinese group. They've inspired a, um, a whole suite of other, mostly women, female communities to do the same thing. If you think of even the cost of retiring or retirement living or whatever we call it now, yeah. um, this is a plausible option for a range of people. What do you think about it? So I reckon uh, the gift that I was given in my working life and, and finding my feminism was how 
bloody good it feels to be in an all-women environment. Yeah. When you know what sisterhood feels like, it is an amazing experience. And I can kind of imagine, and I'm hanging out for, no disrespect for the partners in my Mm. friends' lives, Mm. when we are in our 80s, and perhaps they're not around, (laughs) I can't wait for that. I can't. GNT's on the balcony. So, yeah, absolutely. And my great aunties, in fact, my grandma as well, but I, I didn't know her at the time, but my great aunties retired into a, a retirement village next door to each other and me and my sister always joke about who's going to be who. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Morty and Olive, yeah. both both cracking women in their own right. Yeah. Um, but that that's what I saw, you mm. know, that lifestyle of being able to um, hang out with your, your female friends and couldn't imagine anything better to be honest Look, but but that financial thing as well yeah. and the reality of aging and gender differences in that yes that's you know we go we go um you know you go and travel or you go out and about you go anywhere in the city at midday and you see the grey army yeah yeah um that's a reality go and but, catch a show but the grey army is going to be distinctively grey women mm. um, more and more into the future well and i think like so many things appeal to me about it, but what I love about this is this sort of intervention into this cultural narrative that if you are a single woman um, over 40, certainly over 50, you're going to be lonely and you're going, you know, who's going to visit you in the retirement home? A friend of mine, a single female friend the other day, had a taxi driver say that to her because she doesn't have children. Well, who's going to visit you in the retirement home? So, hang on, I'll make my own retirement home. Like how about I live in a share house with two of my best friends or we buy apartments in the same block or we rent near each other or whatever. We don't tell these stories enough. No. We've just got this one track mind. You get married, one of you dies, one of you goes into a retirement home, your children marry, that, uh, sorry, your children visit, that's it. Mm. That's not true for most people, even who have children. Yeah, and I do know someone who, uh, I don't know if she's permanently stayed there, but she was involved in the family violence space and did some spectacular work and she ran away to um, to a Fran- French femo. Yeah, comedy. right. And I'm, yeah, I have right. serious designs on doing something like that. Like an old lady kibbutz. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, it's about thinking. Now, that's, again, that's not going to be for everybody, but let's think through the options. Do not accept the narrative that we've been told about ageing and particularly ageing as a single person. Yes, and I'll put a, I'll put a political spin on that as well. I, I literally um, filled out a survey this morning about what would make working life better mm. uh, and I truly believe that if we made sure that the social services in Australia were adequately funded um, appropriately staffed in the numbers that the demand requires of them and paid and respected in the mm. way that is deserving of them, um, that would free up women from their unpaid labour in an extraordinary way that we have never worked out in this country or in no. any country uh, and would make working life working life yep. and home life not more working life yeah, for yeah, particularly yeah. women. Yeah. Um, and if all of those things were there, then your questions of retirement and who's caring for who mm. is professionalised. And that's not to say outsourced, mm. but the guilt associated with who's going to visit, visit mm. you, who's going to look after mum as well as looking mm. after children, the mm. sandwich generation stuff. Yeah. 
um, might give some people some more freedom to think about what is it that I deserve in my older yeah. years that I'm trying to tell my parents, please go spend our money. I don't want yes, it. Yes, yes. Go and live and yeah. see the world and do all the things. Go build the commune. Go build the commune. Yeah. Just go and eat out every night if you want yeah. to. Just <laughs> go and enjoy yourself. <laughs> Those things, I, I subscribe to the how do you want to go out, screaming what an awesome yeah. ride. <laughs> totally. All right, armchair expert, I'm going to put a couple of memes to you. I think I know what you think about this one, but this is a quote by Mandy Hale. She says, until you get comfortable with being alone, you'll never know if you're choosing someone out of love or loneliness. Yeah, look, that was a really, that's a really good prompt for the way that I started to think about how, what we're going to talk about. Mm. But I'm, I was already there if I didn't even have the language. Yes. Yeah. That's what made me think of you from our yep. chats previously because if you are starting to date – now, there's nothing wrong with feeling lonely. I get yeah. it. You can feel lonely in a relationship. You can feel lonely on your own. You, there's a whole suite of reasons that you can feel lonely. I'm not dishonouring the loneliness. But if you date from that premise, you will accept breadcrumbs. Yeah. You are far more likely to choose poorly than if you date from a place of what you're saying, which is, you know what, I'm pretty good. Yeah. I'm okay. I'm as good as I can be. If someone value-adds, great. If they don't, I'll be all right. Yeah. And for, for people that are listening who do feel that loneliness, mm. um, I, I guess I'm lucky then and I'm not discounting the way that no, they feel because um, and those that, you know, as I said before, I don't have a ticking biological clock, but if you yes. did... Um, my heart goes out to all mm. of you. But drawing that line about what is it that I'm expecting from that experience and what is it that I'm willing to accept and not accept is is mm. just so critical. And also thinking if you are in that in that loneliness, and I've been in that, and I'm sure pretty much everyone listening has been in that and, and felt very alone, that may be just an invitation to think about how you might address that that's not to do with dating. Yeah. You know, that there again, what are we told? What you will feel better if you get a partner. A, not true. B, not always possible. So how can you through could it be community involvement? Could it be joining the bowls club? Could it be getting into your footy? Could it yeah. be I, I mean it, it kind of doesn't matter. Yeah. I also um <laughs> got fed up with maps the other night and so I thought what else is on and found myself watching a show on ABC about incels. So right. I went from I went from not interested in that show for yes. one reason to um, this. I'm not going to enjoy watching this and what I'm going to hear. Yeah, but this is probably super important for me to understand. Yeah, that's so a, that's incels, a rabbit hole. just for context, yeah. involuntary celibate. They're dudes basically who are raging at women. Yeah, they also interv- interviewed a femcel, which was something I hadn't experienced oh. before as a, as a woman in that space too. But. Um, the fundamental thing about this one particular young man that they managed to infiltrate and speak to, this Can journalist. I guess? journalist. He's lonely. He hasn't gone out into the community since he finished year 12, Nellie. Yeah. He hasn't got a job. He hasn't got training. He hasn't got any reason to leave the house. Mm. He was believing things on these dark web mm. discussions about mm. what standards women mm. have. And, and, he's and so actually, don't. he believes it. Lonely. He has not spoken to a real mm. human being. So they took him to the pub, mm. and he asked a real woman, "Do you have um, 
do you have the standard of not dating anyone under six foot two? And she looked at him mm. horrified and she said, I date people no. that I have things in common with and yeah. I are nice and mm. make me laugh. And he mm. went, really? Really? What? And he what? was so shocked. I'm like, uh. go and enrol in a TAFE course. Yeah. Go to the bowls club. Go and yeah. talk to real people. Yeah. We've got um, our, our footy club and many footy clubs have now got their um, rainbow or pride mm. groups mm. Um, and with women's footy there's another mm. sort of space that you can get involved with. Mm. There are so many ways to meet other mm. people to, mm. f- to fill that loneliness. Yeah. Yeah, and that loneliness, I mean, this has always been my argument about incels or, or any kind of group that's raging. It is usually full of people who are desperately, desperately sad. Desperately hurt. And desperately hurt and unhappy. Now, this one is much more light. It is a tweet from Commentart at Kato, Katie R. Packer. <laughs> this one made me laugh. She said, are you okay? No, but I'm funny. <laughs> <laughs> I love the sort of dark... Humor of that, of just kind of go. Oh, we're all a bit fucked. <laughs> yes, but geez, I'm a good time. Or there was another one I saw that was um, uh, one of the comedians was just please stay single because you're the only interesting thing at our dinner party. Yeah. Full of couples <laughs> talking about anything in their life. Oh my god! When I first became <laughs> single after long term relationship, I can't tell you how intrigued all of my coupled friends were because I was dating. Mm. Right, so my single friends had either already been dating or given up on dating, but the coupled friends are like, "Oh my god, tell me everything!" Like you're the most fascinating creature on earth. You're out in the wild, mm. <laughs> you know. You've been released back into the wild, and yep. yeah, I get it. Like it's 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 fun to gossip about that shit. Yeah, yep. and you're having a different life experience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, you ready for some listener calls? Yeah. Nelly, thank you so much for bringing Wes into our lives this week. I have just finished listening and I have pulled over on the side of the road in McDonald's to tell you um, how great it was to have someone who was long-term single and has just had this happen and is part of their life. I am long-term single forever and I am 42. At 35, I decided that I wanted a family and I was going to do it on my own. So I had a baby by myself. Um, But like Wes, I was a bit miffed about the fact that I had spent all of this time and all of this money um, and celebrated the lives and the milestones of all of my friends Um, And I was a bit cranky that I was starting a family, but there was no ceremony for that. There was no wedding. There was no engagement party. There was no, oh, yes, it's okay to get started. Um, So I threw myself an afternoon tea to tell everybody that I was going to get up the duff by myself. Um, Hugely, massively important. Um, And other people didn't think it was, but they showed up anyway. Um, and yes, it was just really great to hear somebody else was celebrating that part of their life and accepting that this is their reality and they're okay to celebrate that. So thanks, Nelly. Ah, oh, Kath. Praise be. Praise be. And yeah, I I, I loved Wes's um, interview as well. Yeah, so just for background, there's an episode, I can't remember which number it was, but I think it might have been number eight. Um, with Wes Snelling, who's an old mate of mine, and he's been single for 23 years. And I can tell you, I don't think we've had a bigger response to an episode. Mm. It was quite, um, you know, 
revelatory but also revolutionary to listen to someone kind of go, I'm in my 40s, I've been single for this long and I love it. And and I was uh, shocked but gladdened, if that's the right word, yeah. to hear him say he threw himself a – he married himself. He literally did. And uh, and voiced exactly what that caller just did about the you've, – you've outlaid a lot of money celebrating mm. other people's joy and mm. I'm a generous person as well mm. and I really enjoyed that. But you know what? I have had thoughts about wanting a party for me yes. too. And you know what, Kath? It's not just – the outlay of money. So even though no. I've been in long-term relationships, I've never been married either. It is the cultural capital. Yeah. Right? That's what struck me in Wes's episode. So for those listening who haven't listened to his episode, I reckon some of you will be going, you married himself. What? Listen to it. Yeah. Because the description of his brothers yeah. sitting with him on the day, I've got goosebumps just talking about it, having the chat with him that he would have if he was getting married that I can't tell you the emotional and cultural validation that that gives someone. Yeah, the, and that's all the serious stuff that's absolutely mm. real and valid and, and good luck to this woman. Um, I think it, it's brave but it is deserved mm. to celebrate those moments in life. It also goes back to some of the um, you know discussions that I think you've covered about um, – proposing to someone when they're graduating or denying yes. that moment of, of celebration <laughs> of a woman that's just just done something for herself. Yes. Let's celebrate her. Yeah. No, no, now it becomes the yeah. moment that they either got engaged forever. That mm-hmm. is the moment that gets remembered, not her achievement. Oh, you're giving birth. Uh, will you marry will me? You ma- get, no, can go I just away. give birth? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah. I. But the, the non-serious is, mm. uh, as well as being um, a hopeless romantic, is I love wedding dresses. Yeah. I would love to find my wedding dress would you consider just getting one well maybe so i used to draw them oh my my sister she's the fault of it but she used to get bridal magazines yeah right we used to flick through them and i'd draw Mm. them and i thought that doing my deb when i was 16 was going to get that um fairy princess thing out Mm. of my system but it hasn't really yeah um but putting on a pretty dress yes. and, and having a celebration. Yeah, and love indulging because we yeah. see that as an indulgence unless it's attached to marriage, mm. right, so that you can't spend $2,000 on a dress or get your nails done or get your whatever it is that you want to get done. Let me put this as a provocation to you, Kath, because you're eight years off. But <laughs> if you aren't married by the time you're 50, I want to see you on your 50th. doesn't have to be the meringue. No, no, no. But in a wedding dress. In inverted commas. And you buy yourself that Mm. and you get all the things done and have the bloody, let's have a bridal shower. Well, I was denied my 40th in in many ways. Um, And that was supposed to be in New York um, with a a great mate of mine and and however many others might have been able to turn up. Mm. Um, And I I wouldn't have been wearing a wedding dress then. But, Mm. yeah, maybe, Mm. maybe. All right, I'm going to check back. This podcast (laughs) is still going to be going when you're 50 and we're going to revisit. All right, right, let's take another call. This one's very interesting. Look, I'm going to be honest. I think it's tangential to the podcast, but I wanted to play it anyway and we'll discuss why I think it's tangential. Hi, Nelly. Happy International Women's Day. I wanted to raise something with you. I'd be interested in your opinion on this. It seems to me when I've been listening to a lot of podcasts lately or reading articles online about women's issues that the word misogyny is having a bracket creep. 
Misogyny used to mean, and I think it still means, a hatred of women. Ted Bundy, for example, was clearly a misogynist. But misogyny and sexism are not the same thing. Sexism is discrimination towards women or an assumption about the superiority of men. For example, the assumption that men are better qualified to work in trades because they're innately more skilled than women in in tasks that require heavy lifting or being good with your hands or that kind of thing. Um, anyway, I, I said I'd be interested in hearing your view about this. I feel there's, there's almost a kind of shrill hysteria that comes to the, the discussion and the debate about women's issues. If we conflate the meaning of misogyny with the meaning of sexism. All right, so let me clarify here, Kath, that the caller called back and also it's too long for me to play, but she basically said, you know, she's not trying to um, minimise the impact of sexism either. Um, Yes, that'll do. So, I mean, I think obviously we have these discussions in the podcast. It's not directly related, but I think it is in the sense that there's a lot of terms in dating that are overused as well. Okay, mm, but let's start. Let's start with G. Mm-hmm. Um, let's start with the idea of of misogyny being thrown around too freely. What do you think about that? Oh, let me at it. Let me at it. I'm <laughs> chomping at the bit. Thank you for that caller. What I want to say about that, and we can go into the specifics of each different term, but I, I'm really, I've always been deeply inquisitive about what we do and don't say in society, how Mm. we have conversations, what we let go quiet and silent but Mm. never goes away and some of those swings and roundabouts uh, that have happened over time. So Pauline Hanson Mm. reminded us that racism had never gone away but it had gone quiet. Mm. Um, People who use the phrase political correctness gone too far Mm. have never understood that it's simply about you you have the right to say what you want to say but you don't have the right to not have consequences we're not shutting down debate i don't i would rather hear you say those things than go quiet and not have the guts to say it oh, but because also, those Kath, things have never moved on in society they haven't moved on but also let's call a spade a spade every i mean i'm a free speech advocate i'm a comedian for christ's sake but every broadcaster columnist comedian who i've heard um, say political correctness has gone too it's far and they're out. censored, are saying it on a radio station oh, yeah, 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 yeah. or in it's their a, own syndicated yes. column. You're not being silenced. We no. just don't agree with you. Yeah, and it's <laughs> and it's a cop-out yeah. um, that you are you want to be able to say things that are no longer acceptable. And you want everyone to go, okay. Yeah. yeah. So in that, I I have definitely seen those swings and roundabouts in, uh. in f- waves of feminism. Yeah. Um, when I went to uni, um, it, we were just coming out of the 90s, which had had a bit of a peak, mm. and we were going into this lower. You're welcome. Of, oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you, Nelly. Yes. And it was, um, and we went through the phase of, would you actually call yourself a feminist? Yes. Would you use the F word? It went a bit underground. And things like using sexism and raising sexism, mm. and pff, heaven forbid you even understood what the word patriarchy was, yeah. you, you weren't supposed to talk about that for a while. No. Because if you said Because you're one of those mm, feminists. And yeah. sexism's gone, you know, sex, uh, gender equality's gone too far, all of those mm. sorts of things. So we stopped using them. Mm. Julia Gillard stepped up to the plate, gave her famous speech about misogyny, and we mm. remembered the word. But mm. I think I agree with this caller that it's it is very different. 
I think people use mis- uh, misogyny in the way that they mean patriarchy, but it, not many people use patriarchy in day to day or sexism. And I think she's right about yeah. that. And yeah. I, I reckon I agree. There, there is bracket creep. But I also think we can't deny the fact that a lot of instances of misogyny are still not called out, mm. that they still go underground. And so, and I also think, I don't know about you, but certainly when I was a younger activist of any kind, doesn't matter what your issue is, whether it's feminism or a range of other issues, you're very black and white, mm-hmm. right? You're very, the grey doesn't suit a 20-year-old mind, mm. frankly. And I personally don't see among um, the feminists of my generation um, too much calling out of misogyny. Mm. I mean, that's not to say it never happens. I don't agree with every public feminist. I don't, you know, but I think if anything, my concern is that the the younger generation are too scared to even use such a word. Yeah, but I'm. But language is so important. Mm. Having labels for things and behaviours and constructs is really helpful. My, one of the things I've said often is when I was the twenty year old. Um, you you might be politicised a little bit by things you see around you, but experience politicises you. Mm. So having the language of things like patriarchy or sexism is a really important tool for, and, and for some of those incels as well, not everything that is happening to you in your world is about you. Yes. There's a big construct yes. around you, capitalism, patriarchy. Yes. Um, Things that patriarchy harms young boys as mm. much as and all men as mm. much as it harms women. And Having that project, language, you can project intention. Yeah, like if I give in, put it in a dating context. Probably the most common example when I was coming up as a young femo would have been the rage I felt if someone opened a door for me. <laughs> right mm-hmm. when I say someone, a man. Mm-hmm. Now there's reasons for that, mm. right? But. I would look at it now as an older feminist and kind of go, if someone's going to open a door for me, I'm happy. I'm not going to call him a misogynist. I'm not even going to think he's a misogynist. He may be. Yeah. It may be an indication that he thinks my arms are too small to open a door. It's probably not. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. I will reserve that for when I see something that I think really matters. Yeah. All right, so as you know, we always finish the podcast with two very trivial and lovely segments. One, no shade on my ex, and the other one, he's a 10 butt. So, I mean, putting dickhead aside, Mm. what's the stupidest thing an ex has done or someone you've been on a date with or whatever? Look, I I couldn't really delve too far into um, actual ex's behaviour and all I could think of really was this date that has stayed with me for a really (laughs) long time. Oh, juicy. Tell me. How long ago? Oh, 10 years. Yeah, right, great. They were an ex-ballerina, an ex-ballet dancer, so male ballet dancer, really chiselled, very into what they put in their body. Talk. I was laughing at the ballerina, by the way, because I did not expect that. <laughs> no, no, no. Not no, because no, no. I, you know, no, no, shading no. on ballerinas. Absolutely right, not. Right, so you're sitting with the ballerina. He's chiselled AF. Yep, we're yeah. having a coffee in a place where I usually wouldn't even be, but that's another story. And yeah. he talked about how versatile chicken was <laughs> for about for about ten minutes. There, I think there's a a bless. You can I bake it. You can roast it. You can steam you can it. You can stir fry it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's a TV show where that's happened as well, but I can't think of the name of it at the moment. I but so he's like really, he was really keen about chicken, but oh. but 
You couldn't script this. The whole thing was happening while he had a booger coming out of his nose. Oh. And all sorts of things were going on. Do I tell him? Do I oh. interrupt him? Do was I this a first date? Mm. So did you tell him? No. But I did I did not ghost. I, and, you know, some people were like, what do you say at the end of a date? You say, thanks very much for your time. I appreciated meeting with you. Goodbye. Yeah. No intimation I was ever going to see him yeah. ever again. Yeah. I, I chose my words very carefully. Yeah. There was nothing there, even if you and this was because of the come. chicken, not the booger. To it was, be clear, yeah, well and truly, <laughs> but it was a memorable experience. But yeah, we never saw each other again. He sent the text saying, "You know, that was nice. Would you like to?" I'm like, "No, I was very clear about what yeah. I just said to you. Nice to meet you." I, and mm. I think I just said, um, "I'd prefer not to," and yeah. we left it at that. And it's fine to also go, you know, look, thanks, but I don't think it's going to work out for me or any sort of variation on that. Yeah. If someone then goes further, and again, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm on my respectful relationships rant in this episode, um, they're in the wrong, mm, yeah. all right? Maybe they can have a follow-up question, mm. but if they continually, and again, I experience this in dating and I know that friends of mine who are dating experience this, yep. but why? And you didn't tell me. And, uh, mate, we went on one date. Yeah. Um, I'm allowed to just kind of go, it's not for me. Mm. I'm actually allowed to go. I don't want to talk about chicken. It doesn't (laughs) have to be any more in depth than that. And if we want to get serious about it, in terms of patriarchy, we are trained to be too polite. Don't be an asshole. No. But you're also not responsible. That's part of dating. You're allowed to say no. If you chose to talk about chicken for 10 minutes. Mate, there's someone out there that loves chicken as much as you. It's just not me. Yeah. It's just not Kath. (laughs) <laughs> but I love that you went on a date with a ballerina. Yeah. Now, he's a 10, but, mm. right, mm. you're on a date other than chicken. Mm. Is there something where you go, just superficially, own it, Kath? Look, it's food-related again and a, it's bit, food. a bit tangential, but I, but not as far as last week, which was, or the last one that I listened to, that was, you're not eating your rice right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, darling, where's again? I, I can't stand people that talk with their mouth full. Oh. Or, or chew with their mouth open. Oh. If you've got something going on with your nasal passages, I yeah. can understand. Sure. But otherwise, shouldn't someone in your life have said, said. chew with your mouth closed? Yeah, can't stand it. And again, <laughs> our mutual love of shit dating shows. How many people do you see on a date with a mouthful of food literally spitting it on the table? Yeah, it's vile. <laughs> it's like, are we? have I been sucked into a vortex? Yep. Like, I never grew up, you know, working class family. Like, we weren't the elbows on the table and all that shit. We sat in front of the TV, you know, dinner. Like, I'm not big on etiquette. But that... But that is is offensive. It's not nice to listen to. No, I'm paying that, Kath. Yeah. Superficial, though it may be, (laughs) I'm absolutely paying that. Chew your food, swallow it. Then speak. Then talk. Yep. Oh, Kath Davis, (laughs) thank you so much for joining us. I love how open and vulnerable you've been because these conversations they're not easy they're not easy and especially when you've had a period in there that was was damaging and you know what most people don't make it to our age without that but a lot of us don't have anywhere to go to talk about it and that's why I really appreciate your podcast because the space has clearly been required I think it has I mean if the if the listener calls or anything to go by um and just the the amount of messages I get you know, basic, and I will know I'll get them from yours. Going, thank, I feel seen. Like, yep. thank you. I don't hear this story. So, but it requires people like you to come on and actually share it. So, th- I really appreciate it. Love everyone listening. Oh, mwah, mwah, mwah. Mm. dear Nelly.
I could use some advice, dear Nelly. Yeah, some help would be nice, dear Nelly. I'm eager to hear your point of view, dear Nelly. There's a lot to explore, dear Nelly. When you're 40 or more, dear Nelly. So I'm hoping we could talk it through. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Dear Nelly. Now, don't be shy. I would love to hear your questions and comments. To send me a recording or an email, go to nellythomas.com and follow the links. It's super easy and you might hear me talk about your question in a future episode. Huge thanks to producer Sam Peterson from the Producer Boy Creative Production team and to producer Faye Younger, who in addition to being an excellent human, is also a brilliant real estate buyer's advocate and can be found at youngerhill.com. Thanks to Acast and all the team. And lastly, to you. Without the listeners, I'm just a middle-aged mole talking shit to no one. Please rate, review and consider subscribing for five bucks a month for a bonus episode and to help me keep the lights on. And tell your bloody mates, would you? I'd really appreciate it. Love yous.